Welcome to What Have You, featuring Rachel Jankovic and Rebecca Merkel. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. You've heard already that you can find Becca and Rachel's book in audio form on the Canon app, but even if you don't subscribe to get those books and, and that material from them, download the Canon app and at least have all of the podcasts all in one place for free. That includes What Have You, Nancy Wilson's Femina podcast, and Becca and Rachel's brother, Nate Wilson's podcast, Stories or Soul Food. Get the Canon app today and get all of those podcasts all in one place. Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. And we just talked with each other about, do you have anything you think we should talk about? And then after a long pause, we said, let's just do our thing. <laughs> and I think that that tells you how, yeah. it tells you all you need to know about like what we talk about and which episode, how yeah. we, <laughs> how well we remember, how what well we've we talked plan, about. how well we know what we've said in the episodes. Also, we should say we're one step closer to a professional studio this week because we're not <laughs> in a car. But we're also less professional because we're not in a car because it might run out of gas. <laughs> not because we're trying to elevate the quality no. of the recording. No. That would be too also, much. Also, our one step closer to a studio is <laughs> Rachel's bedroom. <laughs> At least we're sitting on a couch in my yeah. bedroom. And it's very cozy and lovely. It's probably less, uh, maybe there's more, you know, less echoey than some of the other rooms in the house. That's what we're hoping. We should have hung some laundry about to sort of be sound <laughs> Muffle absorbers. some stuff. Yes, exactly. Uh, but. Well, it's the, it's the gritty part of the year, isn't it? In so it's many ways. And it's gritty. But the gritty part, because at least here, when you have four seasons, this is the part that makes yeah. spring all the glory that it is. Yeah. This is the part of the year that is not cute. Most of the time. <laughs> it is in a kind of interestingly uh, austere way. Yeah, but if it like snows a bunch and then the sun comes out, that's just glorious and so beautiful. But right now we're just doing the kind of... The muds. Lots of wet dirt look. <laughs> lots but of that. But even there, I think that there is, but it's a kind of a... No, it's pretty. No, it's, it's just it's very... A, it's an Ecclesiastes beauty going yeah. on. <laughs> There's this sort of a dust-to-dust dust kind of a vibe. Yeah, that's the truth. And there is so much, like, it just happens. It's the rhythm of life, and I love it. But there's so much, like, the need to rethink everything and reorganize yeah. everything and get rid of everything that you own <laughs> and start fresh with something else. So, did you find a good book for your January read? No, I haven't yet. Hmm. Did you? No. I have I have a book that Luke gave me that he was like, you should read this. And then I lost it. And then well when I found it in my cleaning things out, and it was called Do It Later. And I felt like I really <laughs> already lived up to the dream on that mm-hmm. one. I was like, I've already accomplished yeah. what it suggests. Exactly. I have, except for the part where you actually read it. So that's on my bedside table. And I suspect it may kind of fill that role because I like it to be a homemaking, housekeeping kind of book. Application. But yeah. all the ones that I have found or I've seen lately seem to be way more 
one person's specific style collection. Like, and see, I don't even mind those because sometimes you come away with two things, and I don't mind them, like but they have better. not compelled me towards them. Right. I wish I did do a initial loose search, wondering if I could find how they trained housekeepers of your. I have. I want to know wondered, about that. I want to know about the inventory. Well, sheets. yes, things like yeah. just how many linens are where yeah. and who done what it. Needs what needs to be mended? Yeah. How yeah. do we keep track of the silver? How much silver? Yeah. When do you polish? That? I don't think I have much stuff like that that needs to be cared for in that way. But I am intrigued. Okay, I'll tell you something that I find to be irritating. Hmm. I have one of those really pretty copper pots from William Sonoma that. Ben and the kids gave mm, me nice. for a Christmas like two years ago. But it's kind of a, it's a pretty and interesting shape. And I, it has like the little acorn finial on the top, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. it's pretty. And it's been sitting in my kitchen, like, and my kitchen has no cupboards. So it's just been sitting open in the kitchen. Yeah. It's for this whole time. The lid is a totally weird, totally other color. The sides are not at all. I cannot figure out what on earth is the matter with it. It is just, maybe I need to get some special copper polish or something. Ketchup. It's a bad color. You can use ketchup. On copper? Yeah. Okay. I've done it myself. Ketchup has like acid in it, and but I think because it has such a buffer of other things that it's gentle. Kind okay. of. I'm not really clear exactly on why that is. Right. But if you smear co- ketchup all over copper... And then rinse it all off. It actually does brighten it substantially. Uh, Weirdly, I haven't noticed that making a difference. So it's very weird because sometimes where the ketchup first hit it, it it cheers up way brighter. So it's very Mm. odd. It makes you feel like you should give it a ketchup bath all at once. (laughs) A dunk? Hit the ketchup. Sort of a plunge in the ketchup? Mm -hmm. Well, I might try that because it's kind of, and I have it sitting up high so you don't see the color of the lid. Yeah. When, whenever I get it down, it's like, oh. Like, it, it actually looks yeah. like it got a weird film of, like, bacon grease on top of it. Oh. But I wash it, and it is washed. It's just, it's still that color. Like, I say, have you checked if it is bacon <laughs> grease? Well, it likely is, but I'm just saying I've yeah. washed the bacon grease off, so I don't know. But mm-hmm. my little recent foray, it was not into a house cleaning book. I should, If you find one, tell me, because that sounds good. I found myself going down the tunnel. It was sort of like you and your sheep and donkey activities. Oh, yeah. I've made no progress there. Surprisingly, I haven't actually. Mine was not in the livestock. I've not yet purchased a donkey. Although we did hear from someone (laughs) with great pictures of their donkey. And I felt like, yeah, I'd be in good company if you have that. See, somebody was telling me that donkeys automatically don't like dogs. And they will really take after a dog. It's like sort of. They knew them. that they were needed for something, so they yeah, like they'll of stomp dogs. them. She said they'll stomp them and bite them and shake them and kill them. So well, that'd be perfect for coyotes. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, marbling paper, paper marbling. I went down that little <laughs> rabbit trail. <laughs> I was watching little video. Um, video reviews of the different chemicals that you could possibly employ to thicken the water you know one is a natural seaweed extract one is a (coughs) chemical of some sort which one works the better and the thing is is 
many people whip up some marbled things that are the worst idea that anyone ever had. But there actually are some really beautiful <laughs> marble designs. <laughs> so there I was finding out. And just in case you all want to know, no, it wasn't the shaving cream and, and food coloring operation. It was, it's one where you like, it's this really complicated and interesting process. Yeah. There's lots of names for the different patterns that you do with your little rake in the water. It's, it's like just, a, it's sort of like all the fun of a Zen garden, but coming away with something afterwards <laughs> that was worth having. I know. And this is the reason it started is because I'm trying to finish out my bedroom project and I still need another fabric pattern. Still need a little marbled paper on well, hand? No, I need, I need another fabric pattern for some pillows. And I was like, mm. oh, actually a marble design would be really pretty. But then I was like, but you don't want to do that on like a computer because it'll just look dumb. I was like, but you could like do a real marble. And and then there mm. I was off. Yeah, there I was looking at the seaweed extracts, <laughs> wondering yeah. about it. Because you thicken it so, up. So when I was, yeah, so it floats. Like a jello kind of, but I mean not a jello, but like a yeah. thick thing. And then you put the paint on top and then you swirl it about in different ways. And then you sometimes it's lay in oil, isn't it? Sometimes, sometimes it's the an yeah. oil based paint. You which can do will, lots of different. You can do acrylic. You can do oil. Yeah, you can but do the oil will ink. float by itself on top of that. Like there's a way of making it oilier, right? Well, you thicken the water. That's the thing, and you like you mix it all up, and then you let it sit and get all the bubbles out, and then you. I look forward to updates. I know. I look forward to updates. Why don't you begin by marbling us all a bookmark for next Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) See, that's where people go wrong. Is they make a marble? What if it was a nice marble? They make little widgety bookmarks. That's the thing. Like there's there's actually a lot of crafts that gave themselves dark names Mm -hmm. through a tough time. They did, and there's many forging on to do it still as we speak. Like. I'm intrigued by, like, there are some things where the first person that, like, spray-painted plastic silverware to make a mirror frame or something, you're like, wow, you were really coming up with stuff. <laughs> like, and I admire it in that it was, like, what I want is a big fun thing here. How can I make yeah. this happen in, on the cheap yeah. and on yeah. the sly? But Absolutely. when it becomes sort of a... It's now like get those together for It's craft like those weekends. collections. Yeah, but you know those like collections it? of uh 25 time saving tips you never thought of or whatever. Sometimes mm. you blow through there and there will be something that you're like, "Wow." No, but most right, of the time most of them they're, they're like, over the only... door shoe organizers <laughs> to keep your ranch dressing packets. <laughs> I can do without any over-the-door-shoe-organizer, like, tips. I I don't want those. I was like, most of the time, it's like, take this hairbrush, thread it through the saran wrap. You know, my problem is I'm immediately thinking of somewhere to put an over-the-door-shoe-organizer. Now that I I went out on a limb to make fun of it, now I'm like, wait. Yarn. Wait. Think of the yarn packets. No. Not the yarn. I do not want yarn in one of those. Anyways, my my point here is that there's a lot of crafting. But see, when we were kids or in high school or whatever, I had a really bad attitude about crafting. I thought that crafting in general was just a dark 
Well, most of it is, to be real. Yeah, but I was always crafty from the side of, like, one of my routine activities was building the paper camera where I would tape together paper mm-hmm. into a three-dimensional mm-hmm. camera and pretend to take you pictures. You just minded all those plastic I just minded. When I got episodes. older, well, yeah, because it was before the internet and before Joanne's had tried hard at all. <laughs> and there was like the options were to make weird Kleenex box covers of some kind <laughs> or toilet paper dolls, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to whose ball gowns were crocheted to cover yeah. the spare roll. Oh, yeah. Those were things that didn't lead you in thinking, <laughs> thinking this will be good. But I've always had an affection for quilts. And so, and you were sewing yourself all the jeans at the time. I was. That we've told I about. Was. So you would drag me off to the fabric store. I whipped up a pair of white jeans from a Calvin Klein pattern that I did all the double stitching. I did put the mm-hmm. rivets on. It was a whole thing. Wore them to school. And this girl in a different grade than I was was like, oh my gosh, I love your jeans. They're so cute. Mm-hmm. And... So we were talking about it, and I said, oh, yeah, I sewed them. Now, can you imagine? I sewed these jeans. Anyway. (laughs) And at least I had the sense to make them white, because that shows less that you sewed them yourself, you know? Yeah. But it was like, you know, I was all intrigued about learning how to do a fly and how to do the double stitching and the rivets. I remember this very well. And then this girl was like, I would love to make a pair of jeans, because you helped me do it. And I was like... Oh, you know, like, sure, there's just a couple things I figured out as I was going. So if you want, you know, I can show you. Well, she shows up at my house with her fabric. And she had never sewn a stitch in her life. (laughs) She didn't know how to operate the sewing machine. Like, I was thinking, this is a person who follows patterns, but she's just not sure she could tackle the jeans. Yeah. And yet... She did it. So basically what it was was she sat in the room and I sewed her a pair of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was a yeah. wasn't it a great learning experience was, for the both of you, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Like she learned how to sew, sort of, how to watch someone sew, <laughs> and you learned how to not say yes. <laughs> I had another girl in high school. Uh she hired me. To make her a dress that she felt like Lucille Ball would wear. That is weird. It is weird. And I didn't at the time really know who Lucille Ball (laughs) was. So I was kind of like, okay. And she gave me the pattern and she bought the fabric and it was a terrible fabric choice. It was real bad. It was like the cheapest navy cotton woven like quilt fabric, but just, but not even nice, like cheap muslin, but it was navy. (laughs) That with a big white collar and fold back cuffs with little, you know, like cufflinks and a wide belt. I had to make her a belt. Ah, you see ah, how it is. All the things I've done. Oh man, that's <laughs> not sure she ever wore it. I mean, I don't know. I was felt. I felt never good about it. You know. I don't take commissions anymore, guys. <laughs> Neither for Calvin Klein jeans nor for Lucille Ball dresses. No, I have, you know, through the years, that's one of the things that you really learn about yourself with crafting. Mm-hmm. Once again, I allude to my great book, No One Wants to Read, about all the lessons <laughs> I've had in crafting. <laughs> but 
the a real part of it is understanding yourself. Like if you intend to finish things and you intend to make things that are worthwhile in some way, then you can't help but learn a lot about your own lack of <laughs> prowess in those directions as you try to do it. Because yeah. you'll be like, man, I'm a huge quitter. Like this, this didn't, yeah. this didn't work for me on the first, like, I, you know, it didn't work right away. Or you fizzle out partway through. Or, I learned about myself that the fun for me is in the planning, the designing, the making it happen, the mm-hmm. getting it like putting it all together. And I know that my besetting sin is getting it far enough along that I'm happy with it and feel like, yes, that actually worked like I thought it would. And it did. And so I never finish it. Like I never do the last 10%. Like I would go to all this ridiculous trouble to make a very complicated garment that had like a, a sort of notched lapel collar, double breasted, (laughs) long dress that was sleeveless i remember that one and (laughs) had brass buttons it also was white anyway it was a kind of a nod to a sailor dress except for a different Mm -hmm. anyway i i went through all this hideous agony putting this little dang thing together i got it on i like put it on it was like it fit it was cute and so i never hemmed it because it was kind of like whew, it worked and then I'm off to the races for something else. And it was like, and so I really have to make myself yeah. hem it. Like, put the, to, sew the buttons on. Yeah. Just sew the buttons on. And so this is what I know about my bedroom, is that I have put in a lot of work. And yeah. I've, I, could, I could get real dangerously close to finished. And then I could go off and get myself involved in an upstairs wallpaper in the yeah. hallway project. So I'm trying to really make myself yeah, it's hard. get through it. I also found that I was, like, there are things that I've just learned that are now the principles that I live by. And you realize why older women so often have those. Like, those are the things that I remember running into with, like, grandma or so. Like, like well, or think of the cliche of a stitch in time saves nine okay that was not a thing that people only imagined (laughs) like that was a thing that somebody actually was like no Mm -hmm. you do it now or it will (laughs) never get done or whatever (laughs) but I remember thinking that I like I changed my I would stall out on a knitting project if I made a mistake because a lot of the time my knitting I Mm. would do at night and if you're kind of like you're kind of knitting when you're not really at your mm-hmm. intellectual best at that time. <laughs> right. So if you made a mistake, sometimes it felt like I yeah. can't possibly get past this. And then sometimes you would end up just kind of hibernating the project for a while because mm-hmm. you just didn't feel like you knew what to do about that. So I I now have a firm policy with myself that like if I made a mistake, I put it out like somewhere. And I will in the daytime tear it all back, right. put, put it back on the needles, get it ready to be back into the mindless. Um, well, I think that sort of all or nothing streak that I have, I remember those, those Calvin Klein jeans. I stayed up all night, I think, well, well into the middle of the night to finish them so I could wear them the next day because I'm mm-hmm. not good at mm-hmm. saying, I'll just dabble a little today and then I'll dabble a little tomorrow and then I'll dabble a little the next day. It's sort of like if I don't finish it right now, 
I won't you ever come back. You are the zero or 60 mm-hmm. person it for sure. You're I'm either... working on that. I am. But the thing is, is I do better when I just say I'm seeing it through to the end right now. And if something interrupts me before I've hemmed it, it's yeah. very unlikely that I'll yeah. come back. I uh, actually work hard to be the person who will plod along Mm -hmm. on things well me too but i'm just saying it doesn't come naturally you have to make yourself i have like a work basket and i have to revisit this whole setup this is bound to happen since we're inside i like that the dog has decided she really needs to speak (laughs) with me she wants to be here (laughs) she's whining at the door (laughs) um but the thing that i have found was helpful is i have like a work basket by a chair that i would usually sit like this has got messed up when we moved in this house and I don't have a regular place that I sit. Mm-hmm. But I would make a point of touching the project once. It, like I was like, I don't mm. care if I only knit like half a row. Sure. I will pick it up every day mm-hmm. and put it back down. That helps because it's the same principle of what I would do with my bored little kids, which is if they couldn't come up with something to do, I would set a timer and say, you're playing Duplos for 10 minutes. Like... Then you can do whatever afterwards, but you have to play Duplos for 10 minutes. Like sure. you must do something yeah. for 10 minutes. Uh-huh. And I can't remember a solitary time that anyone stopped playing Duplos at the end of 10 minutes because, yeah. you know, by that time they've gotten into I it enough. I remember one time I went through this little phase and it was the result of a real troubleshoot. It was like something is going wrong and I can't remember what it was. It was probably the kids would go upstairs to play they would take out every single thing oh, and yeah. then they'd be bored and have nothing to do, but they've already emptied out all the stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I set it up. We had this landing that was kind of like the size of a small bedroom at the top of the stairs. So it was kind of out in between the bedrooms. And so I got out like, I think it was just the oldest three kids, three different stations of toys oh, yeah, yeah. in the landing because they would say they didn't want to play with that and I don't I'm not in the mood to play with Legos and I don't want to do the other and I can't remember it was maybe like Legos and drawing and yeah tinker toys or something I don't know but I had three different stations and I'm like okay you know each you're gonna sit here and you're gonna sit here and you're gonna sit here and you're gonna play with it for 10 minutes and then we're gonna switch and you go to the next station and it was hilarious because they go from being like, there's nothing that I am interested in whatsoever <laughs> to being like, no, my time's not up, is it? I have to finish this <laughs> thing frantic, that I'm doing. I'm frantic. And it was actually really great. Like, whatever it was that I felt like we were high-centered on, and I can't remember the deets, but yeah. we were, there was something that was just being a struggle. And Sometimes that was an amazing... Have to, you have to bring a different structure to the yeah. situation. Like, I sometimes just withdraw something totally from the circuit's... For a while. Not so much. Really, Moses is my only one who... Well, Moses and Chad both. I could pull, like, Legos out of the mm-hmm. circulation for a little while. Um, because then it just it's freshens them back up back. on how mm-hmm. fun it is to mm-hmm. play with those. But it is also... I used to do tons of that. And I would use those Sterilite, the little uh, stacking drawers that are, like, the size for a ream of paper goes in them. Mm-hmm. I had two of those in the top, on the top shelf of a closet when the kids were really little. And that was really smart. Here's why. When I found a random piece of Playmobil, and I found a <laughs> random Calico critter, and I found a random... Sylvanian? That's the same as a Calico critter. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah. But yes. And I found... I'd find like these odd little pieces of things sure. around. Then I could just go in there and 
very easily drop them into the right drawers. But if you had like stacked closed containers, you just don't Uh, ever want to deal with that. Like Mm -hmm. trying to put them correctly away. Mm, But what I did was the little fiddly toys that were not in normal circulation. I put them up on the top shelf. And so then when I would say you can, you're going to play for 30 minutes on my bed or on your bed, but you have to stay on your bed and can't get off I would let them pick one of the fun toys but they couldn't play with them any other time than a quiet moment yeah and that was highly effective in Mm -hmm. fact oh it was I had one bin that was all like a lot of little plastic animals Mm -hmm. one that was like knights and dragons and stuff you know so yeah but it worked real well for a while there of like you can choose one but we used it the same way as stations because they would switch beds with each other and play Uh, with the mm -hmm. other one sometimes chloe and titus i remember specifically trying to make it a fun time for them because i think all my kids have always given up napping entirely when they're two (laughs) they just don't need to be napping anymore but Mm -hmm. it turns out that that one was real hard for me when the twins were no longer napping (laughs) I remember being like it cannot be so it cannot (laughs) be so but either way when they were they didn't need to nap anymore and I remember really trying to make it exciting for them like this is boy town over here with like, we pull the curtain out over the bed. So it was like a fort, you know, yeah. and oh, yeah. it's like, and it's girl town over here. But every time they would end up playing together in the same, yeah. which was fine. It was fine. And That's yeah, fun. that was a happy time. Yes. And anyways, I, I did have a thought that I had thought that we should talk about, okay, well. but I forgot to reveal it to you in the time that we <laughs> asked. We had a thought. So this is fresh. Becca has no idea I... what I'm going to bring out. All the gog. I was thinking as specifically about guilt. And I was thinking that it's a big deal in our culture that guilt is a huge handle on people. Like, I remember yeah. a long time ago, Dad preached a serious sermon on the three chains, you know, that was like guilt, fear, and shame. Yeah. And that different cultures... Uh, really heavily favor one or the other. Yeah, like right. the Asian culture is huge on shame and yeah. honor. And in many more third world countries, fear is a mm-hmm. huge, huge... Motivator. Motivator. And in the Western world, guilt is just a monumental thing. And I was thinking about how we need to be like aware of that and also... It's kind of like people put a big handle on themselves. Like, do you want to control me? Just just use guilt. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just grab guilt. And the reason I was thinking about that is because of the political uh, ranny gazoo that has been about. And Dad did blog about this. But I just thought it was a really interesting point that, like, you don't bear any guilt for someone who holds the same some part of the same opinion as you on something and is behaving badly. Okay. And I was thinking about how important that is in the Christian world. That's a huge thing because think of people who are like, there was a, there was someone who believed in submission who abused his wife and daughters. And everyone's like, like we need to apologize for the position that is laid out in scripture because someone abused it Mm -hmm. somewhere. Right. But that, that guilt handle that 
we have no right to have available to people for them to guilt us with that right. is enough to make many Christians turn away from scripture or enough to, you know, or fellow believers, or, you know, every comment that starts with people like you or why I left the church. Right. <laughs> yeah. What is that? But a grab at a guilt handle, right? Like a grab oh, at yeah. like you are saying something that will turn off many unbelievers from the yeah. faith or you are. Oh Yeah. We're supposed to be guilty for, gosh, everything. Just yeah. all the things. They're all there. Even things, that, to be guilty things that your ancestors may or may not have had anything to do with. I mean, like, <laughs> the guilt is, it's not decreasing culturally in in the sense that, no. in the sense that we do bear a lot of guilt. And the so, guilt's real. And I'm going to say, totally shamelessly stealing from something Toby Sumter said this morning, um... Logos had an assembly and Toby was Toby was there and he was talking about confession of sin and I thought this was really a great analogy but he said you know how sometimes um well he was saying little kids just make a mess it's just what they do they can't help it they don't know how to use these hands yet they've only just gotten them so when you have them at McDonald's they're going to be covered in ketchup and yeah. they're going to try to drink the root beer and they will drop it. And it's because they just yeah. can't, you know. And he said, and then when you have the parent who's like, how could you possibly, like, uh, how dare you, like, how, why would you, you? look what you've done? You know, he was like, here's the thing. If you're a pro parent, you know that little kids do this. So you're ready with the wet wipe. You're ready to like guard the ketchup you're there to like help them eat the fries and you're you know or uh, and you call the employee to come with the mop you do what we do which is we for years we don't need more with the with the lids on things we'd all say sip it don't tip it (laughs) sip it don't tip it and we're all like all right Moses it's your big chance to sip it but don't tip it <laughs> yeah, and he's like, because you're teaching them and they're going to make a mess. That yeah. is going to be what they do. They do, they, do. And they said, will. But if you have the kids spill the root beer and then the parent freaks out oh, over the root word. beer, yeah. he's like, which one is actually making a bigger mess? Yeah. It's clearly the parent. For sure, because yeah. Because here's how you handle it. The and it's the only one who should know enough and then to you're not do it. change their shirt and then they're going to make a mess and you're going to wipe their hands and they're going to make a mess and you're going to mop it up and they're going to make a mess. And that's just how it is. Yeah. And he said, but when they're wringing their hands and like bemoaning the whole situation, that's, you know, they're making a worse mess. And he said, so the thing is, is you're going to sin. You just are going to. So wipe it up. Like, don't sit there going, oh my gosh, I had a terrible <laughs> thought. It was an awful thought. How could I do this? I was a Christian. I don't know. Uh-huh. And he's like, wipe it up. Move on. Of course, like you're fallen. You're going to sin. That's how it's going to be. Get it right. Move on. You don't need to sit there in a big stew about how guilty Mm -hmm. you are. And I can't believe it. And oh my gosh. And so that's the thing is like, there are a lot of people who don't clean it up and they really are guilty. And so the handles are everywhere on them. Yeah. But you shouldn't totally covered in guilt. Well, one of the things that I was going to, what I was thinking about is I think that women, in this culture now, we all need to actively not be easily manipulated by that, right? Yep, so exactly. And you can see it anywhere in our culture. Like if someone just says that makes you a racist, 
do you feel guilty? And the question is, you you could if theoretically racist, be guilty of that. You should but be also guilty. far more likely in this day and age is that someone's trying to make you feel guilty for yeah. something that you do not actually bear yeah. any guilt for. Yeah. But the thing that I was going to say is whenever something has become common common in a culture when it's become the thing that's just the way we talk the way we deal with each other it is equally important that you do not pass that on to your children by brewing up children that you entirely govern and steer by trying to grab hold of their guilt you have to lead them by you want to be getting out in front of them leading them by with loyalty with love with forgiveness with gratitude but not by coming along behind and being like don't you know how much i do for you don't you feel terrible that you did this or i'm so sad does that that not make you feel terrible that you treated me like that or like i cried myself to sleep because you were mean to me you know Mm -hmm. like i mean there's a lot of ways extra work you made. look at other people's kids who are more helpful than you are look at this like there's so many ways that you could just slip into being like well you're the one that always ruins a nice time or you're the one there's so many ways that you could be Growing up children where the thing that you're actually trying to use to control them is guilt that they should not be bearing. And that that is a, it's just. Well, to go back to the kid analogy, it's like if you're the mom that sits with a little toddler who doesn't really yet have full control of his limbs Mm -hmm. and is just learning motor coordination, you're like, can you try to just not drop everything everywhere as opposed to the mom who's like, oops, okay, here's how you're going to do it. All right, we're going to wipe that up. Yeah. Okay, let's try again. All right, good job. You know, there's one mom who's going to actually get their kid there. And there's the other mom who, it's going to be a long, hard, difficult road. <laughs> well, I have, a long time ago, I posted a video of Moses in a diaper pouring himself a glass of milk at the table. And it was very funny because I started the video up because it just was a funny setup. Yeah. You know, you could see him kind of looking at it like, bet I could. (laughs) You also could really feel that, but you can't. can't. (laughs) Anyways, I started to video it and it ended up being, I thought it was a very funny video, which is why I shared it on Instagram. But the thing that really did surprise me a lot about it is I shared it in the video. I jerk because it's clear that he's whiffing it. Yeah. And and it, at first, it looked like it might be a little spilt. There was a moment where I thought this could be far worse mm-hmm. than I was anticipating. <laughs> and the phone, like, jerks all yeah. around. And then, but, so, in even in the video, it's very clear that I, that I did not, I was not just sitting there unaffected yeah. sure. by what was happening. Yeah. And I got so many messages from people saying that they couldn't believe how calm I was about that and it was really odd for me because I remember just thinking well how do your kids learn to pour milk I mean like somebody somebody's gonna have to I mean they're gonna they have to someday they're gonna they're gonna have to figure out how to do that at some point and like you have they're not gonna learn it if you're not letting them try right you know like if you're not letting them and and also if the first time they try to pour milk legit the first time they try to pour milk you freak out at them. Right. What are you even saying? Well, and think about the way God does it with us. Ah. He just, there's a baby. I was going to say. You've got one. I was going to say nothing 
nothing felt as uncertified as driving home from the hospital yeah, with your first baby. With the baby. Like where you're like, they cannot let us have, yeah, like, like, like nobody yeah. can think that we ought to be in yeah, charge of like, this situation. I remember feeling like, I, I mean, can we just like, <laughs> are car? we allowed? <laughs> You do really feel like, it does really feel like you stole a baby. But it's like God just gives you a little tiny human that is fully dependent on you. And there are so many ways you could screw that up. Yes. And one of them we've just highlighted right now. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is like, yeah, you've got like your kids have to learn how to do stuff. And you have to be like teaching them and watching over them and helping them course correct. I would say one thing that I kept in mind often and that I would recommend mothers who are just thinking about this or maybe, you know, just feel like you're not naturally gifted at being chill about things, that to actively think about that, like to think about not leaping and bounding if someone drops an egg or not responding with anything when mm-hmm. something, in fact, only yesterday, I sat silently in the other room while I heard who knows how many hundreds and hundreds of airsoft bullets <laughs> pouring out on the wood floor. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, oh there it's going. There, there it's going. It's still is. going. It's so many are going. And then I heard Moses be like, ah, Titus, ah, Titus. And I'm like, well, I just not gonna go in there. But the well, funny thing is, I didn't get involved in that one, and I actually didn't ever see him on the floor. So people did it. They yeah. handled the problem yeah. without me running well, in to yell. Okay, you know how when you well, you just did it with Moses just a minute ago, where you told him to do something and then said, "No, I want you to say yeah," yeah. and yeah. waited till and. Like, here's how you're going to respond. Okay, let me see you do it. Okay, yeah. good job. So what would be your, that version to of you. advice if you're a mom who really struggles here and you and your kid just did it? They just squirted you know the ketchup. They just, they just dropped the egg. They just spilled the milk. They just, what, what, like if you were going to talk to the moms who would be tempted to like freak out or lose the bubble about this? <laughs> what would you tell them to say? Like, just. I would say, like, no problem or oh, no biggie. Or we say no biggie a lot, but you got me giggling because I remember <laughs> that I did actually give counsel to a mom once and I can't remember how it led to this moment, what specific thing it was that she was I but I think it was someone who was really, really wanting to put it to death in herself yeah. that she was yeah. highly strung about things like this. But I did actually tell someone, you need to you need to like throw an egg on your kitchen floor and then just be like no biggie you know what I mean like like you genuinely and and whatever it did actually end in both her and her husband and I think the kids throwing eggs on the floor to be like we'll be fine like we can throw an egg on the floor and look nobody had to freak out like this is we could do it we could see that happen and be like huh a mess I'll clean it up when uh, one of our kids was making a run at being an ultra perfectionist from the high chair. Yeah, that's always good. Didn't want mm-hmm. to get his hands dirty yep. on the peanut butter. Like, and he would sit there with his hands up. This was Knox. He would sit there 
with a bit of peanut butter on his hands in the high chair, just looking offended. And he would be going like, and he couldn't talk yet, but he'd be like, <laughs> you know, like it's on my hands. So promptly Ben began taking him out in the backyard and making him play in the mud, like making him put his hands in the mud. Cause he was like, no, we're not going to cater to that. We're not going to raise a child who can't get his hands dirty. And so it, it paid off in enormous ways because he's not like that now. But the thing is, is like, there are moms, I think, who need to have a rummage in the mud just a little bit just like, to like be like you know what i'm not all going well. to be we didn't lose a limb i'm not we gonna be something. a freaker outer about right. small details <laughs> like how about i practice not responding when that because happens. the thing is is like let's say your kid drops the egg on the floor they've just made a six square inch mess upon the yeah but you could freak out now be way bigger yeah you could pour a bunch of junk all over your house and that would be more like punching a hole in an aerosol can of something (laughs) and letting it rip like because it's it's nothing like just the mess that happened yeah i mean you can clean it up you can say i guys i freaked out my bad yeah but you also might less next week sometime find a little of the carnage somewhere like the reality is that it's not worth the mess at all. Like what you think you're, right. what you think you can't right. say no to is actually right. a very high cost. And getting an egg off the floor takes what? A couple I minutes. I don't know. Max. I was going to say, yeah, 45 seconds to a minute of mm-hmm. spatula work. Um, we had a really magnificent time of something like that just the other day, but I can't even remember what it was. It was a large amount of something though that we needed. Like, it was something that was important mm-hmm. in some way to the hustle of what was yeah. happening right. right at that moment. Right. And it went down. And that was the first time. I think I have I have built up muscles to be unresponsive to small-scale things, like okay. knocking over glasses or whatever. But sure. sometimes there are the ones that give you a little hot second more of a, yeah. like... I would like to say something about this. Nope, not going to. <laughs> like knocking over, oh man, knocking over a candle that's been going. So the wax like mm-hmm. splatters everywhere or mm-hmm. something. Anyways, my point is, even though I think I have practiced for many years not jumping at this kind of thing, I still have to very consciously not respond sometimes. It's not like something that you mm-hmm. hear the huge clatter right. of something and go, right. yay. Yeah. My heart or, soars. And it's not like you... Don't go clean it up. That's the thing. Like, nobody thinks that what this means is... I think I have to get this. Sorry. I'm going to pause. Hello? We're back after my little interlude with the (laughs) delivery man. Sometimes you have to take a call. Um, So we were talking about not being the freaker outer. Yeah. Mother. Oh, and I was saying, it's not like we're saying, let the eggs just dwell upon the floor. No. It's not that. It's no. like, of course, clean it up, but clean it up with a sense like, of proportion. Be a reasonable person while you, you know, do that. There are worse things in life than having gotten a grease spot well, on the carpet. So I want to return to the more spiritual guilt manipulating things and just think about one of the really important things. And one of the one of the things that really matters about the Bible reading challenge to me is that Christians not be vulnerable to like those handles on our faith that make people feel guilty where someone's like, well, the Bible says, you know, (laughs) to kill everyone in a city (laughs) and you go like where, if your instinct is to be like, somebody's grabbing hold of this and I'm going to apologize for scripture or I'm going to apologize for what God says. 
Or I'm going to apologize because you're right. That does sound terrible to have to submit to your husband. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it is. Right. To just, we really need to be immune to this because right now it is the most popular handhold of but all. But it's also like, are you forgiven? Do you believe that you're forgiven? Of the actual sins that you yeah. actually committed. The things that actually mean that you are deserving of judgment. Mm-hmm. Do you believe you're forgiven? It's well, all- then don't go around shamed and cowed and everything. Act like a forgiven person. Right. Exactly. Which is somebody who's not just struggling under the Unlike guilt. live in the confidence of your forgiveness. Like that there really is a... And, and that ploy right now is being used to shut people up as fast as possible. You're yeah. not allowed to talk. You may not have an opinion. You yeah. may not say that because you're guilty. Guilty, mm-hmm. guilty, guilty. And you really should be like, no, actually, well, I think I'm there forgiven. was recently a real big wave of churches saying we need to be silent right now because letting the yeah. underprivileged voices speak. And you have to say to yourself, what were you talking about in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you should be silent if you weren't talking about something yeah. that should be said in a moment like this. Like, right. if you weren't talking about... Forgiveness right. and salvation and repentance, then yeah, I do by all means. Well, and I do think that that description in Horse and His Boy is one of my favorites, where um, Shasta's in Callerman and in Tashban, and he sees the Narnians for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's however he describes it. They're just walking, and they let their arms and shoulders go free, and chatted and laughed, and they're sweet. And they're was, just visibly free, and one was whistling and. They were ready to be friends with anyone who was friendly and didn't give a fig for anyone who wasn't. Or, you know, something mm-hmm, yeah. like that. And the Calermans are all very, like, grave and mysterious and solemn and silent. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I feel like that really should be the difference between the Christians mm-hmm. who are free and who are forgiven and who mm-hmm. are joyful and who can walk around without the burden of... Totally. All the ages on their shoulders because that is what a lot of people are trying to do is like we are going to carry the burden of guilt from centuries and we're going to try to and that'll crush anybody. Even if you had an accurate assessment of what the guilt was, which is very unlikely from this distance. Right. You can't handle it like Christ can and he did. Yeah. And then our job is to behave like it, like be grateful and cheerful and joyful and forgiven amen and that's the thing is that you have to ask yourself if you are doing that right Right. like am i actually living that way or am i just going around with a lot of weird baggage and cultural like if you take that horse and his boy situation are you you know buying into every kind of you know bowing with your face to the ground to anyone else (laughs) that goes by you know what just many christians have been doing an awful lot of that and sometimes i think it's because i mean sometimes there's just there's some mix up there's some like i don't really know what to do right now they don't know how to respond but sometimes i think we are often ready to confess the sins of our ancestors because we do feel guilty and we'd rather confess those than the actual ones that we have committed against our husband. The one right now. The one that actually is on our conscience. The one that's a current event that you actually do have (laughs) responsibility for. The way that you've been a brat to your mother-in-law. Or maybe the garbage show that you're watching yeah or maybe you're drinking too much every night or maybe you are yeah and in that case the thing that 
you know, people call that virtue signaling when it is, you know, virtue signaling is very mm-hmm. things. Well, think about that. Instead of actually confessing your real sins, you're right. signaling your virtue you're confessing your to a whiteness. false god. Yeah, yeah, like there is something that why would you confess your whiteness? Was it not your god who made you so? Yeah, and like, it's like don't confess your whiteness. Confess your gossip. Yeah. Try confessing your bad attitude. Right. Confess your snarky words. The lies that you told to your employer. Get that right. That would be a good thing. Yay, verily. The lies you told to your high school teacher that you need to call them up. Yeah, get it done. Yeah. And the thing is, if if you are feeling guilty, if you are feeling the weight of that sort of oppressed feeling of being under a pile... There actually is a way of getting out from under it, but it won't work if you're trying to confess all the wrong things. That would be as if the eggs are all over the floor, and what you are trying to do is clean up a completely different mess in a different part of the house that actually isn't there. You know, like, yeah. but, but there are people who want to show how industriously they are cleaning. Yeah, and but they're leaving things they're to go rank and stagnant out. inside while they stand all the time on the front porch right. acting like they're shaking out a rug. <laughs> shaking out a symbolic rug. Yeah, and so I think if you are feeling guilty, have a have a hunt around and ask yourself what it's from because it's probably not the race that God made you. <laughs> Maybe you need to... Also, a good idea is if you actually are feeling guilty, ask the Lord to show it to you. Like, ask the Lord to say, please show me why am I feeling this way. Show me if there's something I need to confess. And if the Lord does not immediately bring something to your mind, if there's not something that is like just super on your mind right away, Mm -hmm. then then trust him to bring it to your mind and move on. Do not begin the great wallow of 2021. No, and if you are doing a great wallow of 2021, confess that because that might be the one. <laughs> that might be it. <laughs> we found it. We solved all your problems. <laughs> all right, Becca, do you have a tip for yes. this fine day? Yes, it's going to be a tip that will get me universally despised. I was thinking about this. That's just what we're looking for. Yeah, uh, here's the thing. Let's just begin this by saying that I am not a person who is able to remember to take a pill. I'm not. I know there are people for whom taking pills is one of their great joys. <laughs> so they're never going to forget because it's a thing that they love. You know, they've yeah. got pill charts and stuff. So I can't remember to take a vitamin. I can't. It's just real hard. And when I try to muscle myself into like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take some vitamin. Then I manage it for a few days, but I find it very boring and distasteful. And then I don't. It's like I can't remember. Rachel, gummy vitamins. (laughs) (laughs) This is your hot tip? It is. (laughs) Where do you put them? Oh, I just have a random basket that's in a shelf. And it's like, because I'm, you know, especially in the winter and I'm teaching and I'm at a school. So I was like, I'm going to need to take some vitamin C and, you know, like, and I don't have a lot of, you know, extra things, but I do take like vitamin B. But if I try to take a little capsule somewhere, I will put it, but I'm like, hmm, I think I can manage it if it's just a random handful of gummies that I grab in the morning. <laughs> that is not it the tip only, I expected. No, it only works if you have a, if you have a temperament like mine, which is one that like, I actually 
I can take pills. It's not like I am a person who can't swallow pills. I can do it just fine. But weirdly, I don't do it. And I have to have reached a kind of crisis level headache before I'll be like, you know what I could do is take a, <laughs> take an Advil. Well, that might be good. And I will like seriously go through two days of headache before that crosses my mind. So when I'm feeling like really lethargic okay. or like I'm fighting off a cold or whatever. Hot tips from Becca. I'm not one who's going to immediately turn to the vials and the droplets and the thing. But I'm like, you know what? Fistful of gummy bears will a do it, fist huh? Fistful of gummies that I can just <laughs> grab and throw in my pocket or whatever. I and think that's truly funny. Yeah, it is It is an amazingly weird tip. Okay, my tip is really uh, random, but my husband is the... He is a executive at a software company here. And, and I have meant for a long time to pass on this tip, which is that... If your husband is a senior sales leader or a product person (laughs) and would be interested in looking for a job, give my husband a shout out. A little shout. He might be looking for a senior sales or sales leader or a product person. Yeah, so this is a this is a tip with a limited release. It not everyone will have an application for this tip. But Becca, to be fair. Your gummy tip doesn't apply to Here's me. The thing. So, and I know. know that people who are serious about vitamins who have <laughs> who have like brand preferences, they're like, you know that a gummy B12 doesn't work. It's like, well, it's probably working better than no B12. So that's my thought is it can't well, that's be nice. actually making things worse. But I'm just saying people who listen to this podcast six months from now, yes. it probably will be less relevant. This is a hot off the press tip. Yes. That will only be Yeah, valid. this one, well, hopefully, but he has, he's been looking for some time for okay. exactly what he's looking for. So reach out to him, probably okay. on LinkedIn. All Luke right, Jankovic at Luke EMSI. Jankovic. Yeah. All right, guys. Until well, next time. Have fun. Talk to you later. Throw an egg on the floor in our, in our mm-hmm. honor. <laughs> and then say, it's all right. It's no big deal. <laughs>